Well, good evening, everybody. Tonight, we're going to continue in our, in our series of Love Like Jesus. You know, how, do, how as followers of Christ do we love people who it seems like nowadays we can't get along with anybody, and we're offended by everything, and people are just looking for a reason to get upset about something. And so how as followers of Christ do we live that out? Last week, I'm going to take those off. Last week, we talked about how we should celebrate our differences. How, again, if we believe everyone was created on, pur- on purpose by God, then everyone should be, cr- should be treated with dignity. They should be treated with honor, and they should be heard. As I, as I went back and looked at last week's message and listened um, to last week's message, um, you know, again, we discussed doing life together and relationships and how things just work better when we start working as a body of Christ, when we work together, understanding we're all broken. God sent Jesus because God knew we were broken. And so we want to make sure that we, got, we understand that and that a person we, we come across isn't a problem to be fixed. They're a person to be loved. And, and so I, I, I looked at last week and I'm like, whoa, that really follows our, our thought process of everyone who's created on purpose and for a purpose. And then tonight what I want to do is we continue the, that thought process is how many of you guys can remember when you were in school or if you've ever been to a party? A, a good, clean party, by the way. Take, take it easy, people. Um, I'm going to step on you being careful. I'll get you all excited. Um, and you know that person who just everybody flocks to them? You're standing right next to talking to them, and all of a sudden the whole crowd comes up and just pays attention to them. And you're like, hey, I'm right here. We have a whole part of our culture that has been feeling that for years. Now, I don't know how many of you guys realized last week that my message that I gave last week talked about prejudice. It talked about racism and talked about how we need to treat people differently, even though we may not think we need to. Because when we look at people through God's eyes and we see beyond what we think is right, we start seeing people who, who, for who God created them to be equal with us. There's nobody lower than us. We're all broken, we're all busted, God's the only one who's putting us back together. And so as you're standing next to them, super popular people, you know, whether they're athletic, we, we, we ask ourselves, do I even exist? How many of you guys have ever felt that way? That you just didn't feel like you mattered? No, don't raise your hands, because I wanted you guys to feel pointed out tonight. But I think at some time or another, we've all had that feeling of just, it, you know, where we were, we weren't good enough to be there. The, the, there's a word for that, and that's really where I'm going to talk about tonight, is the word we're talking about here tonight is marginalized. You feel marginalized. And the definition of mar- marginalized, according to Merriam-Webster's dips dictionary is to relegate to an unimportant or powerless position within a society or group. They're on the outside looking in. And so tonight's message, that's really what it's talking about, is love like Jesus outside looking in. There's been people who have been pushed to the side. There have been people who have been mistreated. There have been people we told their opinions don't matter. And I think a lot of what's happening in our culture today and a lot of what's happening in our society today is, yes, there's anger, but what happens when you feel like you're not important? You 
get angry. You want your voice heard. You, and, and things don't even have to change. Just let me know you're hearing me. I can take this back to when I was working at the hospital. For, for 15 years, we had the same meeting every week. Or every month, we had the same meeting, talked about the same things, and we, we were, just got more and more upset because over those 15 years, not a stinking thing ever got changed. And I, I talked to my supervisor. I'm like, all you got to do is actually tell us and show us that you're, you're, you're listening to us and you'll, you'll try to work on it. We're not asking you to change it. We're just saying, can you at least let us know you're trying? And so when we think about that with loving people like Jesus did, is, you know, you'll hear all kinds, there's all kinds of books how Jesus loved marginalized people, right? How Jesus' ministry was to the marginalized. Well, I'm going to blow your mind tonight. Jesus didn't love the marginalized. He moved the margins. The people Jesus came to save, to seek and save those who were lost. Those who, who are healthy don't need a doctor. The sick do. Everything Jesus did was moving the margins. It wasn't saying they were marginalized. It said, guess what? My margin encapsulates everyone. It's not just a set group of people. And tonight, James 2, 1 through 4, it's not the main verse, so you ain't got to go to that. But I want to read that because it says, My brethren, do not hold your faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of personal favoritism. For if a man comes into your assembly with a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and there is also some, comes in a poor man in dirty clothes, and you pay special attention to the one who is wearing the fine clothes and say, You sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, You stand over there or sit down by my footstool. Have you not made distinctions among yourself and become judges with evil motives? We have talked about it, and Emil and I talked about it many, many years ago, that if you walk into our church and you have blue hair pointed in all directions, 29 tattoos and 42 facial piercings, smell like cigarettes and are stumbling because you've been drinking and you sit in this front row, we are going to love you because if we don't love you, we're wrong. But guess what? That guy probably won't walk into our church because he's been mistreated. Because we said everything about you has to change to come to Jesus. That's why I said Jesus moved the margins. He said, you're welcome. He says, come all who are weary laden, and I will give you rest. Not come you into button-up shirts. Are you into combed hair? Are you in this? Or if you're in your pajamas. And so we, we have to, the Bible says that if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we are to love everybody. We don't get to pick and choose who's worthy to be loved. And that goes into the second part of our, our, you know, our vision for our church, that everyone matters. Everyone's important. So how do we learn to love everyone? Because I can guarantee it right now, and please do not raise your hands and don't nudge the person next to you if this is them. There are people that know how to get on your nerves that you just have a hard time loving. Y'all work with some of them. Y'all might live in the same house as some of them. But how do we walk that out every day? How do we walk out Jesus' love every day? Because if we're going to claim to be a follower of Jesus, I'm supposed to love everybody. There's no marginal people in this world. See, again, Jesus didn't love marginal people. He moved the margins. Our main verse for tonight, if you want to look it up, it's also found in James. I'm going to read out of the NLT and the NCV, so it's probably not going to sound anything like what you're reading. 
But it's whenever you speak or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law of love, the law that sets you free. So you must show mercy to others or God will not show you mercy, show mercy to you when he judges you. But the person who shows mercy will stand without fear at the judgment because mercy triumphs over judgment. So what is the law of love? To love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So when, when this was being said, you will be judged by whether or not you did that. Did you love God? And did you love people? And, and he goes on to say how we love people. He says you love them by showing them mercy. You love them by not judging them, by not condemning them. Because as we show mercy to others, it shows that we have received and we understand God's mercy for us. And that's how we obey that law of love. Because it says, you will be judged by the law of love, the law that sets you free, so you must show mercy to others. Do, uh, have we done that as a body of Christ? Let's just say it that way. Have we done a good job at showing mercy to others? I'm not talking ours, but in general, in whole. You know, I believe more people, the very, again, we've said it many times, the very people who don't want to come to church nowadays were the very people who flocked to Jesus. So we're missing something. If I really wanted to be hardcore, I'd say we're missing Jesus. Just saying. Because if the very people that were running to him aren't running to us, we need to change our heart. We need to humble ourselves and pray. So what I want to look at tonight is that last line about mercy triumphing over judgment. Because what, what does it mean to say mercy triumphs over judgment? Here's four things that mercy triumphing over judgment does. Is it wipes out God's judgment against us. He sent his son to die on a cross for us so that we could have life. So his mercy, that when he sent his son, took his wrath off of us and put it on Jesus. The second thing it does is it wipes out Satan's judgment and accusations against you. Too often today we want to run around with, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Well, I did this wrong. Shame, shame, guilt, guilt. You're not this. You're not. And, and Satan's constantly, or your ego's constantly blasting you with that. And mercy says, no, I've overcome that. The third thing it does is it wipes out what other people say about you. Too often, we hear what other people say and we own those. We let other people label us. You're this. You're that. You're an alcoholic. You're an addict. You're an angry person. You're a bad father. You're a bad mother. And we, we own those languages. But guess what? Mercy says, no, I've triumphed over that. So when Jesus came and set you free, he set you free from that because of God's mercy. What other people say about you is not as important as what God said about you. And he said, you're mine. Fourth thing it does, and this is, this is probably the big one, it wipes out what you say about you. See, too often we're our hardest judges. Too often we take what other people say, we take it personal, then we personalize it, and then we start saying it about ourselves. 
I'm not good enough. I just can't, I'm, I'm not smart enough to do that. I'm not smart enough to go to college. I'm not smart enough to get this job. I'm not, I don't look good enough to do this. Well, they will never go out with me because I'm not this. And so we're con- and and social media. God help it. Um, how many likes did I get? And if I don't get enough likes on a picture, then not enough people like me, so I must be a loser. See, we've judged ourselves and we start self-talking and we don't understand that God's mercy said, no, you are who you said I w- you were and that you are my child and heir with, a co-heir with Christ to the kingdom. So when we were singing tonight, Naiden was singing tonight about miracles still happen, guess what? The same God who did the miracles in the Bible is the same God who's living today and we can still trust him to do what he said he's going to do because he don't change. And so when he said you were set free, guess what? You were set free. Quit binding yourself back up. Live by what God has said. Quit living by what other people say. Quit living by what you think. Well, I've tried this Jesus thing before and it just didn't work last time. Well, stop trying it and just do it. I love that book. Y'all should read that by Christine Kane. Stop acting like a Christian, just be one. See, when we want learn we get to work from the love of God, not for the love of God, it becomes a lot easier to work said it before, you get more work done from lovers than you do from workers. And when I think I have to work for God's love, I get tired. But when I'm working from God's love, I'm excited. And so I learned to work from that. So showing mercy and being merciful to love like Jesus is really what we want to talk about tonight. Matthew 20, 30-34 says, as we go... And as, as I go through and read this, what I want to look for is there's five verbs. There's five things Jesus did in this short little story that points out how we can love people. It points out Jesus, again, Jesus has our example. See, we ain't got to reinvent the wheel. We just imitate what he did. We ain't got to be smart. Yeah, I'm just dumb enough to believe what the Bible says. I ain't, I ain't a smart guy, and I will admit that. I'm as smart as God needs me to be. And if he needs me to know something else, guess what? He's going to let me know. And then I put in the work and I learn it. But in Matthew 20, 30 through 34, it says, Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. When they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd scolded them and tried to get them to be quiet. But they shouted louder, Lord, have mercy on us. When Jesus heard them, he stopped and looked their way. Then he asked, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, we want to see, they said. And Jesus felt compassion on them, so he touched their eyes, and instantly they could see, and they started following Jesus. So dear Heavenly Father, as we walk through this tonight, we break this down, open our hearts to hear you, to hear from you and what you want to, what you want to accomplish in and through us. So that through all the brokenness that's going on right now, God, we can be that agent of reconciliation of Jesus. And that we can learn to love people like you loved us. And we thank you for what you're going to do through this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first thing that happened in this and how to show mercy and love like Jesus was you have to stop and listen. You have to listen to clues for their pain. Now, that, that, that's kind of difficult because that means I've got to put myself to the side for a second in my calendar, in my time, and say, okay, I'm going to listen. Because, see, love always starts with listening. 
Notice I didn't say hearing. Because today we have a lot of people who hear to respond that don't listen to learn. We hear what they say and then we instantly have our comebacks ready before they've even finished. We're going to learn to just listen with an open heart. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to give us the wisdom to hear what's actually being said, not necessarily the words that are coming out of people's mouths. I've had it happen again, but still one of my favorite stories was, with that was when I was at the hospital. And I'm walking down a hallway and I see this girl and you can see something's going on. And I said, hey, how's it going? And she says, great. And I'm like, hey, why are you lying to me? Seriously, that's what I did. I'm just kind of weird like that. I got, it got her to stop because most of the time when you, how many of y'all know when you say hi to some people, um, they just give you the pat answer. Yeah, how you doing? Fine. Well, I actually paid attention and I'm like, what's really going on? And at that point, she started opening up and she broke down in tears about something that was going on in her life. And we sat and we talked for a minute about it and, and then we prayed over it. And she came back a few days later and thanked me for, for taking the time to truly listen to what the Holy Spirit was saying that I needed to slow down. I couldn't just say hi and keep going. And so we need to learn that listening is vital to hearing people's pain. And the problem with a lot of what we're hearing in our culture today is we're hearing symptoms, not the problem. Too often in personal relationships, we attack the symptom, which might be anger, which might be an offense that they've hang on to, which might be unforgiveness. But there's something buried deeper that's causing that. But we're so busy with our own lives that we don't stop to take the time to really mine out what's going on. And so we attack symptoms. Well, let's give them this for this. Well, if they just did this, and this would make it better. And so we try to fix symptoms, not understanding that it's going to show itself in another way again, because no one ever stopped to listen and figure out what's really going on. Because truthfully, honestly, most people don't care. In fact, I think Denny Curran one time said, talking about pastors, he said, 80 people don't care that you've got problems as a pastor, and 20% of pastors are happy you do. So 80% don't really care if you've got any problems, and 20% are happy that you have problems. Why? Because it makes them feel better. See, what happened in this story is these guys shouted, and people tried to shame them into being quiet. I think we've seen that once or twice in the last couple of years. What did these guys do? They shouted louder. See, they had been marginalized for so long and weren't part of the in crowd that they were just taking a shot that maybe this Jesus could help me. We've got that. See, we've got to stop holding, holding it. We've got to let it out on our society. Best way to defend a lion, open the cage. Don't have to defend him. And so when you see people who are feeling marginalized, guess what? They will shout all the louder until they're heard. Because it says, when Jesus heard them, what did he do? He stopped. Everyone else heard noise. Everyone else heard blind men screaming. Jesus heard their pain. And he stopped. I want to promise you something tonight. You might 
feel tonight like no one understands what you're going through. You might feel that you're the only one walking through a problem. But I can promise you beyond a shadow of a doubt there is one who hears you and who is with you. And his name is Jesus. No matter what you're walking through, he's with you. Proverbs 21.13 says, If you shut your ears to the cries of the poor, your own cries will be ignored in, their own, in your own time of need. See, the starting point of this, if you're really going to learn how to love people, love your wife better, love your husband better, love your children better, love anybody else, you're going to have to learn to listen past the words to hear the pain. I want to say, and maybe it's just me, 90-some percent of the arguments I have with my wife are dealing with a symptom, not what's really going on. And so we finally get to a point, it's like, oh, what's really going on? And then it finally comes out. And she does that to me as well. And so occasionally you just got to shut everything down, shut the quietness down for a second, say, okay, what's really, let's, let's find out what's really going on. Because the second step in loving people like Jesus did and showing mercy is you have to stop whatever you're doing at that moment to hear them. When Jesus heard their cries, he stopped. Because again, what does that show? We talked about it last week. The most expensive thing you can give somebody in today's society is your time. Are you willing to give someone else your time to show that you care? Now, I'm assuming tonight that you're here because you want to know God's truth. <laughs> I figure you wouldn't have came here if you didn't want to know what God said. You could have sat at home. You could have watched TV. You could have went out. There's a thousand other things you're going to be, you could be doing. But if, I want to, if, I, if I'm going to tell you the truth tonight, I need, to, I need you guys to understand and I need you to get that you cannot follow Jesus and live a self-centered life. This life is not about me. It's about him. When we talk about history, it's his story, not mine. I'm not a guy that's getting a shot at the back of my head as an extra standing on a street corner in about an eighth of a second. And I'll be like that person, be like, did you see that? Did you see that? Rewind it so you can see it again. That's what most of us do. We make the story about us instead of about Jesus. See, Philippians 2, through, two, and four, two four says, don't be so obsessed with always getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. That's what it says in the message. Am I willing to slow my life down enough realizing that, guess what, I am not that important that I, can help some, I can't help this other person? The third thing that we need to do is we need to look past people's behavior and see the value. Remember, God created everybody on purpose and for a purpose, so everyone matters to God. And if they matter to God, they got value. Too often when people are in pain, we see a problem to fix, not a person to love. We need to stop multitasking in our life long enough to figure out and stop trying to figure out how to fix the problem quickly. Give them our full intention and, attention and take uninterrupted time with them. How they are acting, you may think they're rude, you may think they're selfish, you may think they don't care about anyone else's feelings. But what Jesus did in this story, and what we need to understand we need to do is we need to look past that to see what's really going on. 
Mark 10.21 says, Jesus looked steadily at the man and was filled with love for him. When Jesus saw people, he was always moved with compassion when they had a need. As Christians today, what's our, what's our, what's our favorite response when somebody tells us they got a problem? <laughs> I'll pray for you. Sweet, I still ain't got no food, but hey, thanks for praying for me. My kids are starving at home, but hey, thanks for praying for me. We need to put action to what we're saying. Now, yes, we need to pray for them. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying not pr- don't pray for them. But I am saying Jesus always met a need. Jesus was moved with compassion and then met a need. So as we're looking past their behaviors and we're seeing their, their, their value, we look past and understand that, guess what? Hurt people hurt people. People who are in pain want others to be in pain with them. And if you've ever tried to raise kids, you all know this one, that if they can't get your love, then they'll get your attention. <laughs> I mean, it, dogs are the same way. If, if a dog doesn't know you love them, they will do anything they can to get your attention. Let's use dogs because then I won't offend anybody and make anybody upset. But now if I give that dog my 15 minutes of attention a day, he's feeling loved, he'll meet me at the door every day and we'll be best friends forever. But if I leave him locked up, never do anything with him, don't give him any attention, guess what? He will do what he can and he will eat everything in my house to get my attention. Teenagers do that just because they're teenagers, they'll eat everything in the house. It's not to get your attention, it's they're hungry. Okay? And so it says, when Jesus looked at over the crowds, his heart broke because they were confused and aimless, wandering around like sheep with no shepherd. That's what Matthew 9.36 says. And in Proverbs 14.21, it says, It is a sin to despise your neighbor, but whoever is kind to the poor will be blessed. So when we're going to genuinely, genuinely learn to be a mature person of love, we can't be offended by people's quirks. We can't be offended by their faults. We can't be offended by their flaws. We can't be offended because they're different than us. We can't be offended because of their sins, and we can't be offended because we don't agree with them. Because as a, Rod Loy said in a, a message I watched from him one time, he said, the minute you chose to follow Jesus, you gave up the right to be offended about every, anything. I'm pretty sure Jesus went to a cross for me. I'm pretty sure people said a lot of bad things about Jesus, and he went to the cross for me. I'm pretty sure I've said and done things against Jesus, and he still chose to go to a cross for me. See, when we understand that people's behavior doesn't necessarily let you know anything about them, we look to their value and who they are in Christ. And that's how we want to treat them. The fourth thing is we want to ask people what they need. Don't assume that you know what they need. (laughs) How many have all done that? Okay, maybe just me. Because, but here, this is beautiful. It says, then Jesus asked, what do you want from me? We see Jesus do that a few different times, don't we? What do you want me to do for you? They just said, hey, we want to see. And by doing that, what you're doing when you're doing that to a hurting person is you're letting them and their pain set the agenda so you can meet a need. Don't assume you know what they need. We all need Jesus. That's a given. Okay, that's, that's off the table. We all need Jesus. But in their moment of need, what are they looking for? He's letting, 
in this story, Jesus is letting them tell him what their pain is. And when we can slow down and ask somebody, what do you want me to do for you? How can I help you? We open the door for them to be honest with us. And then we can find out what's going on because questions will draw out pain if you slow down long enough and learn to ask the right questions. And that's what Jesus was a master at. The fifth one is do whatever you can do to help. See, in in verse 34, it says, Jesus felt compassion for them, so he touched their eyes and instantly they could see. Then they started to follow Jesus. See, you may not be able to fix the whole pain that they're in, but I can guarantee if God puts you in that position, he will give you the power to meet some need that they need at that point. God did not put you in their path on accident. God puts you in their path because they needed you at that time. So use your ears, use your eyes, use your mouth for words, and use your hands for touch, because Jesus used all four of those in in this story. He used four of his five senses in this story. Because people, it's an old saying, people don't don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So we need to show people that we truly value them. Not whether or not they can come in and give us something, which is why I started off with that other one. It's not as it, hey, can I find some rich people to come to our church? Tommy Barnett loved going to his church because he had a whole front row that was for nothing more than what for people that nobody loved, the prostitutes, the people in wheelchairs, the people in drug addicts. He had front rows were all theirs so they could sit in places of honor. Because God says, guess what? When you can love the least of these, you're showing you love me. And then I can take care of the rest. And so that leads us into the last part of my message tonight, which talks about how do we know and who needs your love. And yes, I'm making this personal because there are people out there who need your love. The first thing you want to do is you want to look for people, for people with needs and offer to help. Isaiah 58, 7-9 says, Share your food with the hungry, give to the poor, Provide shelter for the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not refuse to help your own relatives. I know all you guys did some stuff where you don't want to help some relatives. It says right here, don't refuse to do it. Then, <laughs> then my favor will shine on you like the morning sun and your wounds will be quickly healed. I will always be with you to save you. My presence will protect you. And when you pray, I will answer you. Want to know how God answers prayer? Clothe to the needy, shelter for the homeless, you give to the poor, you give food to the hungry, and your relatives. Help your relatives. And he says, I will answer your prayer. Did you know there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible about poor? About the poor? So God does have favorites. (laughs) God loves the poor. He talked about it over 2,000 times from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Because God says, if you care about the poor, I'll take care of your needs. I'm going to heal your wounds. I'm going to save you. My presence will be with you. I'll protect you. When you pray, I'll answer you. God says, you worry about other people, I'll worry about you. The second thing is look for lonely people and become a friend. See, we got too many people nowadays because social media has redefined friendship. I got 792 friends because Facebook says so. 
but not one of them could I call up at 3 o'clock in the morning when I'm walking through something. So we need to find people, lonely people, and become a friend. Leviticus 19, and 34 says, Do not mistreat the foreigners who live in your land. <gasps> Jesus loves immigrants. Okay, maybe that's just a... No? Yes, I told you guys, got to lighten up a little bit. Jesus loves foreigners who live in your land, he says. They should be treated like everyone else, and you must love them as you love yourself. Wow. That could go up and raise... I might have to put that one on Facebook tonight just to see all the angry responses I get. Because um, remember that you were once a foreigner in Egypt. We are foreigners in this land. Our land is heaven. We are just walking through. And so we're called to love those who are different than us. We're called to love those who may not look like us. We're called to love those who may not think like us. Why? Because Jesus is the one who fixes them. I'm just supposed to love them. The third one is look for grieving people and just be there for them. I've done a bunch of sermons, and one of my favorite parts that I, that I talk to the people is there's three H's I tell them that they need to do. They need to hear what that person is saying. They need to hush and listen, and they just need to hug them. Too often we think we need to fix the problem when sometimes we just need to be there. When somebody's grieving, we just need to hear what they have to say. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 says, God comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. They're in trouble with the same comfort that we ourselves receive from God. So when we comfort others, we understand how God's comforted us. When somebody is walking through and grieving through a process, sometimes all they need, there's a story that I, that I read at, at the funerals about a four-year-old child who went to his neighbor's house and just sat with this old guy and sat on his lap. He sat there for a little bit and he went home and his mom asked him what he was doing. What did he say to the man? And all, his response to it is, I just sat and cried with him. Sometimes we just need to be there. The fourth and last one is you want to look for defeated people and help them start over. 2 Corinthians 2 7 says, When people sin, you should forgive and comfort them so they won't give up in despair. The Bible says that Jesus came to earth full of grace and truth. Both of them are important. And we've got to tell people the truth, but you've got to do it graciously. We can't have one without the other. When we tell people only the truth, we become a hard person and we become judgmental. When we, when we tell people only about the grace of Jesus, we're a wimpy and we're a weak person. And we think we can do whatever we want. What we need to do is we need to give them the grace and truth of Jesus and let Jesus set them free. I'm going to finish off tonight with a few verses 1 Peter 3.9 says, Do not repay evil for evil. Never retaliate when people insult you or say unkind things about you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God wants you to do, and he will bless you for it. See, in a roundabout way, I am, I'm, I'm giving you guys, and God is giving us a way to be blessed. And that blessing comes from blessing others. So one last verse tonight. Found in Micah 6 8. God has already told you people what is good and what he requires from you. 
You must ensure justice for everyone. You must love mercy. And you must walk humbly trusting God. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ and love like Jesus in a merciful way. If that doesn't fire you up and it doesn't sound like something that interests you, and again, I'm going back to y'all here because you wanted to know the truth of God. Stop calling yourself or myself a follower of Christ if I'm unwilling to do that. We're giving him a bad name if we're not willing to do what he's called us to do. Now, please hear this. We will all make mistakes. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came for us to die on that cross because he knew we would make a mistake. He knew we needed a savior. He knew we were lost without him. But if we say we're going to follow Jesus Christ, and that means I have to love justice, I have to show people mercy, and I have to walk humbly before God. 